Hello, and thank you for listening to the Teaching Math Teaching Podcast. The Teaching Math Teaching Podcast is sponsored by the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators. The hosts are Ava Thanheiser, Dusty Jones, and I am Joel Amidon. Today, we are talking with Dr. Marta Seville, who is a professor of mathematics at the University of Arizona. And we are talking with Marta because she gave the Judith Jacobs Lecture at the Association of Mathematics Teacher Educators annual conference in February. The title of her talk was, What Does It Mean to Be a Mathematics Teacher Educator? Which, you know, is kind of the mission statement of this podcast. So we, we wanted to extend that conversation this episode and, and enjoy having a little bit of conversation with Marta. So welcome, Marta. How are you? I'm doing quite well. And how about yourselves? <laughs> doing well. And we're joined by Dusty. And unfortunately, we're not joined by Marta. But Dusty, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, yeah, Ava, um, we miss you. And we hope that uh, you're having a great day. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Um, so, Marta, thank you again for uh, joining us. This is great. Um, I, I think I'm going to speak for Dusty, and I know it's true also, but we were uh, fired up by your uh, conversation, your talk uh, at AMTE, and again, wanted to extend that conversation. But first, maybe a little bit of background on you. So how did you start teaching math teachers? Okay, that's a very good question. Well, first of all, uh, I'd like to thank the, the three of you, Eva, Chuamin, and Dustin, <laughs> for inviting me for this podcast. I'm looking forward to sharing some of my ill-formed thoughts, most likely, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> so actually, my trajectory working with math teachers is a little bit by pure chance. Um, I got my undergrad degree in mathematics in Barcelona, which that's where I'm from. And at the time when I got my degree, I don't know, I'm sure there were other possibilities, but most of us, well, I shouldn't say most of us, many of us thought we're just going to be teachers. So I looked for a job as a teacher. The job market at the time, believe it or not, was not very good for math teachers at the secondary level. I ended up finding uh, a job temporary for about a semester or so at a private high school. Um, but also at the same time, I had applied to come to the, to, to the States to study. And I was very interested in mathematical logic and applications to language and artificial intelligence. So I arrived to University of Illinois, first as an on-degree program because it was some kind of an exchange program. And while I was there for one year, I took a class on using computers to teach mathematics, to teach mathematics basically. And as I was taking that class, a professor approached me and he said, would you be interested in being a teaching assistant next year for the math content course for elementary teachers were going to be using this Apple tools, you know, dating. Yeah, yeah, I remember those. <laughs> and, um, and since you've taken this class and, and I was like, what math content for teachers? I don't even know what that is, you know, because I thought that I was going to be a typical TA in calculus um, if I stayed in the math department or you know, whatever. So I said, sure, yeah, whatever, you know, sounds interesting. And, and so basically I started working with the content course for elementary teachers. I had no idea, full disclosure, that math education was a field of study. Mm. But I mean, I knew that teachers got prepared in, at university. I, I was aware of that, but I didn't know much more beyond that. So I basically fell in love with the whole idea of working with future elementary teachers. And so that's how I got started, basically. Well Wow. I mean, like the, the stars are aligned there. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, was that like a cog, I, I mean, I'm just thinking back to some of my like, like cognitive tutor type of situation with the Apple II or no, we were actually using teaching the 
prospective teachers to program in basic. Wow. <laughs> and they were doing explorations on, so I mean, we were teaching math content, but yeah. part of it, so it wasn't all on computers, but there was a, a lab component. And so now here I'm going to share one more anecdote that I think people will get a kick out of it. Um, so my second year teaching that, or my second semester, Catherine Schwal was actually in my class. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Not that I knew, of course. Um, <laughs> she wasn't as well known then. <laughs> <laughs> she was an undergrad and she took the class with uh, George Francis, who was the professor with whom I'm still in, in touch. And and myself as the teaching assistant. Oh my gosh. Catherine cleaning her closet or cleaning her house, whatever, cleaning something the other day, sent me a a certificate that she received with our name signed by George and by me showing that she had gained proficiency in the Apple II computer or whatever. (laughs) I don't know what it says. I mean, I have it somewhere. But yeah, so anyway, so that's a little bit of history there. Oh, that's that's a great story. Yeah, that's great. Um, So falling in love with uh teaching of math teachers like like what was it about it i'm just just thinking about that like what was it about that either the interactions or the content or like introducing people to this idea of like what does it mean to to help develop relationships with kids i don't know can you just talk a little more about that yeah i mean i don't know exactly what it was i mean i think that some elementary teachers come to our courses and, and we're talking about the content. I'm, I didn't do the method. So they come to the content courses with a little bit of apprehension, you know, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they don't, sometimes they don't feel very comfortable. And so for me, it was fascinating to try to understand, okay, what is it that about the, their experiences, their past experiences and the content itself that makes it, that makes it hard for them to basically enjoy mathematics the same way that I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So I try to really focus on the playfulness of, you know, how can I get the pre-service teachers to play with mathematics and to see that they can do mathematics. So for example, one of the statements that I may have used at the Judy Jacobs talk is one from a pre-service teacher from many years ago, when she basically said, there is hope when I can legitimately use my methods. So it was this idea that mm. you already know a lot about mathematics, but you may not have been given the freedom to express them and you know the way that you would like to. You may have been constrained by following certain procedures and cer- certain approaches that maybe that's what limited your, your, your growth in, in realizing that, yeah, I know a lot about math. So for me, that was very important. Another thing that was very influential at the same time that I was doing teaching the courses, um, someone introduced me to a couple of people in the community who were teaching math out of the basements of their houses. And they were teaching kids of all ages. And they were using lots of um, manipulatives and, and things that I had never seen. I mean, I, I was new to the field, right? I mean, you have to. Yeah. And I was just fascinated by that and seeing how there was no difference. I mean, they could have a seven year old and maybe a 15 or 16 year old, you know, and they may have had either, you know, adults, but I, I, right now what I remember were mostly K-12 students, but, and it was all based on explorations and on making sense of things. I also had Bob, Bob Davis was a professor in, at University of Illinois at the time. So I also was able to take a course from him and get to know him. So, I mean, I had several people that influenced 
my trajectory in cognitive science, because it was more of a cognitive science approach, yeah. but mostly from the point of view of if you want constructivist and that, you know, that people um, have to develop the meaning of mathematics. They, they, we cannot give it to them. They have to construct it, basically. Yeah, but then the idea of like, but then doing that through, I mean, even like you said before, playing with math, like, you know, like that's, that is how kids make sense of the word, like by playing with it and like saying, Hey, if you're going to be teaching children, here's this asset that they have, like, why not use it with this idea of helping them make sense of mathematics? And then, yeah, like taking some of the formality out of it. That's, that's pretty cool. Yes, absolutely. So that flows right in with the, the name of your talk, which was, what does it mean to be a math teacher educator? And, and so what was the main message you wanted to convey in your Judith Jacobs lecture? Well, I don't know if there is a main message, but a message would be that I really, I'm, I'm really very struck by that quote that I share um, from the Spanish philosopher, Ortega Gasset, because for me, it's this idea that whenever I teach something or whenever we teach something, I would like the, the people that were teaching to that they also question what we're teaching them. So I would like to move away from this idea that because we may be seen as a more knowledgeable person as a, in a position perhaps of authority over the content that what we say then goes, I would like them to question that, you know? So for example, one thing that I remember from my students, again, back as a grad student, as a TA, um, I was teaching them the different algorithms and I was teaching them how I'd learn how to subtract. But I don't know that I told them that that's how I learned. I don't remember now, but I certainly share, you know, and it's the equal addition um, subtraction algorithm, but I didn't call it equal addition at the time because I didn't want to give away perhaps what it was. So my the professor that I was working with, I think called it the European algorithm, which kind of made sense because it was being taught in many countries in Europe. Anyway, mm-hmm. so I remember this student saying, I don't get it, Marta. What do you want us to do with that? I mean, what do you expect from us? Why do we need to learn this? This kind of like challenging, you know, I, I enjoy that. I mean, it can be something that perhaps people perceive as, and I don't know if it's cultural, because we tend to be, at least the, the reputation we have in Spain is that we like to, you know, we get into passionate discussions quite easily. So, <laughs> so I don't know. So I, I enjoy that. And so for me, this idea of, of questioning what they're being taught, that's one thing. And then the other part of the message that I wanted to convey in the, in the, in the talk is that we need to be more humble and, and we really need to learn with and from the people that we are teaching, and I put teaching in quotes, shall we say. That's one part. And the second part is that there is no magic answer. Um, I kind of distrust when people in the field, in any field, but in our case, they speak with a lot of confidence and authority as if they've got it. I, I don't know, that rubs me off the wrong way, you know? And, and I see that sometimes and we've all, seen that, you know, when mm-hmm. so people in, in professional conference or, or whatever, or, or doing professional development, and they presented that this is it, because I really don't believe that there is a magic answer. 
So that was kind of the message, you know, like, like learn with and from, question, question your, yourself, question, uh, question what you're being taught and, and really don't think that there is this easy solution that is going to solve our problems because it's a, it's a journey and it's a joint effort. Dusty, do you want to add anything on to that? Uh, that's really helpful. Um, and I'm, I'm writing some of these things down <laughs> so I don't forget them later. Um, so Marta, I'm, I, I did not know that you were from Spain. And um, so thank you for, for that key insight. And I'm wondering some of these, some of these things like the pre-service teachers uh, tend to have this apprehension toward mathematics is does that exist in Spain to your, to your knowledge, or since you were a mathematics major, maybe you were not thinking about those sorts of things. I mean, is this, is this a worldwide phenomenon or is this a, in your opinion? So I think that when it comes to elementary teachers, from what I've heard from my colleagues in Spain who work with prospective elementary teachers, the answer will be yes. There is also, mm -hmm. you know, certain level of apprehension towards the subject. I was um, at the time, the way that you become a, became a secondary math teacher, there wasn't any kind of preparation. You got your mm -hmm. degree in mathematics. And then at the end, if you wanted to teach in public school, you wanted to go into private, that's it, you were done. Mm -hmm. You wanted to teach in public school, you had to have um, the certification or certificate of pedagogical aptitude. And it was, I think at the time it was like an eight week thing. It was something not... Uh -huh. But what was hard was to get into the public school uh, um, system um, teaching. It's kind of like a civil servant when you get there. And so the mm -hmm. exams are very, very hard. And, mm -hmm. and they're only like, so for example, the year that I, one of the years that I could have gone for that, I didn't do it. There were only, I think there were only seven openings in, in my region. Oh, wow. So, you know, and so you go by points. And so people who maybe have been substituting have, of course, more points than you as a new, you know, person with a bachelor's. So I, yeah, I didn't do it. Now, my nephew happens to be a math high school teacher now in Spain, and his pedagogical preparation was a little bit more serious, um, but it's still, it was pretty much, I mean, the math degree, and then what comes after was a little bit better structure. Mm -hmm. But still, there is a little bit of, in my opinion, I mean, it's getting better, but in my opinion is if you're going to be a secondary teacher, content is what matters. For the elementary, is a different story. The elementary, they they go, well, now it's changed, but they used to go to the normal school, same as, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it was much more focused on, on pedagogy and content, and, you know, much more like what we would do here, basically. Yeah. And I also really like that uh, that philosophy that we, we want our students to question what they're being taught. Uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't speak for every teacher everywhere when I say that we... Uh, but I think that's a great goal to have our students wondering if what we're telling them is actually true. I, I remember my first year as a, as a teacher, I was teaching high school geometry and I said, okay, here's this theorem. Maybe it was the isosceles triangle theorem. And this is what the theorem says. And now let's prove the theorem. And I remember a student, his name was Blake, and he raised his hand and said, Mr. Jones, why do we have to prove this is true? You just told me it's true. <laughs> and, and I thought, oh, why do we? Do? And I was a brand new teacher. And this is what I thought, you know, we 
here's the theorem and we will prove this and, and you will appreciate it. But it really not only made me think, well, this is how students may approach mathematics is the teacher will tell me and I will know it. Uh, but it also made me rethink teaching geometry in particular and, and really teaching in general. Why do we, you know, how do we motivate these students to want to learn? How do we motivate these teachers to, you know, help students learn this knowledge for themselves and make it their own? I think that's a great approach to have them question. Um, yeah, I mean, I try. I mean, I, I really try. And I don't know. I think I think that it's part of learning, right? Um, I mean, I was struck many years ago by the research that shows or that says that by third grade, I think it is, kids are already in mathematics, I mean, it's a general, you know, but have already stopped questioning and they accept the rules. And so this is really sad because mm -hmm. so on one hand that tells us that maybe in kinder and first and in second, maybe, I mean, no, you cannot, you know, they, they're still questioning and then more or less by third, second or third. And so how do you get that back? How do you get that mm -hmm. curiosity back into the picture and that like, wait a minute, why do we need to do it this way? What if, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, how many students have you had, particularly if you teach students who haven't had, I mean, teachers who haven't had a very good experience, how many share with you that I couldn't do, the, the teacher expected me to do it as problems a certain way and I could do it another way, but they wouldn't accept them. I mean, mm. things along those lines. And this is what is my frustration because I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have when we're working with, with um, students to trying to impose our ways of seeing the world or doing things. And they might bring others that are fantastically, you know, strong and genuinely, you know, good. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're going to back up a little bit and, and, and I think there's going to be a chance to bridge back to a little bit to your, uh, your messages from your talk, but what would you have liked to known when you started being a teacher of math teachers? You know, I have no idea. <laughs> I, mean, I, have... <laughs> I have no idea in the sense that really going back to how I started, you know, the conversation today, my trajectory is just kind of happens a little bit by, by chance. I mean, yeah. yeah. You know, and so I, I don't have a memory of all of a sudden saying, okay, I am going to do this. What do I need to do to get there? And so for me, it's very hard to, to answer or to think about, you know, what is it that yeah. I would have liked to know? Because I was lucky, I think, that... I was at the right place at the right moment with the right experiences, but it could have been a different trajectory and I would be doing something else. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, that course that I took for um, with computers is because as a semi exchange program was only one year long. So I thought I was going to go back to Barcelona after yeah, yeah. and I was going to teach mathematics and I had already started using computers, by the way, very little in the, in the teaching um, when I was teaching Barcelona for one semester. So I thought, oh, this will be a great course because it will get me, you know, more qualified maybe to right. for a job there or whatever. So that was just like serendipity. Like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take this course. You know? uh, I was taking philosophy of language. I was taking semantics. I mean, I was taking 
because I could take whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. It was an on-degree course, I mean, year. So, so really, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> Maybe that's the best answer I go. can give. I didn't know, therefore, I couldn't think of what I would have liked to know. That's good. Well, did, did you receive any good advice? Like, have you? So I would say that the best advice that I received is not related so much to teaching. It goes further back to my whole approach to what I do and why I do things. And it's two, two different people that I can think of. One is my grandmother on my mother's side. She would always say, or she would share, say from time to time, not always, that there is no better lottery than working. So, so basically, mm-hmm. it was this idea of like you know hard work. She was a very hardworking woman, um, and that's all you know what I remember of her. And so for me, that was already very clearly instilled, you know, like hard work. And then my mother, my mother was a, a person who always did a lot of outreach to everybody. So, for example, she was an accomplished seamstress. She actually was a teacher, but uh, she stopped teaching when she had kids. So I never, I never saw her like as a teacher per se, but she was a teacher. And, uh, and she, um, she was an accomplished seamstress and embroidery and everything. And so for example, she would teach uh, a neighbor that we had how to sew. So the woman would come and you know just teach. She, years later, she started teaching embroidery to a bunch of um, American high school students in an exchange program. Um, she taught someone who was working you know, in, in our house when, to read, she, she didn't know how to read and she taught her how to read. So, but there was always this humility about, you know, you work with all kinds of people and you are no better than anyone. And so that's what leads me to my work with, with the parents and, and of course with the teachers, but in particular with the parents, you know, that is this, this sense of service, but at the time, at the same time that I have as much to learn or probably more from them that they may be learning from me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that to me is 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 not so much as I say advice, but it's more a philosophy of life, perhaps about you know service service, and not feeling like I'm above the people that I'm teaching. And again, teaching in quotes. Yeah, no, I like I mean, that feels like it's right in line with some of the again some of the, some of the things that I heard from your uh, talk. Like that idea of service, like, you know, as, as a professor as a, in a higher ed institution where we need to do service and like, and we're doing service and I'm going to provide you a service. And it almost feels like, let, let me, let me come down off my ivory tower and provide service to you. And that like, and you're welcome. Yeah. And like, versus like the way that you do it and the, you know, talking about hanging out with uh, some of the, the mothers and having this, these uh, interactions with them. And it's, and it, and I want to say like, it's it, it, like just what you're saying in your talk right now is like it's like this mutual benefit like yes i'm i'm here and i have some expertise but you have as much expertise as i do and, and this is this is an exchange of and and just trying to uh you know uh, grow closer to e- each other as we get better together it, it, i don't know it's does that kind of speak to yeah, no, what absolutely. you're saying yes yes yeah, exactly I mean, yeah yeah. And that, that's what stuck out to me with in the talk. And, and it, it kind of paralleled something with, you know, Dorothy was talking about hanging around in classrooms. You're talking about hanging out in the community with families. And it was just like, that's, you know, the kind of work that's, that's done that, that it, like we need to value this work. And, and that's, uh, 
you know, and it, and it isn't just, I'm going to go serve. It's like, we are serving each other, that mutual respect for each other. That's, that's yep. a wonderful thing. Um, what advice would you get? And maybe you've already done this. Uh, you could just give the advice that you just said that you received, <laughs> but what advice would you give to someone starting out in this role of a teaching math teachers? Well, actually, the advice I would give, well, first of all, is that, and I think I said that, um, I have been at the end of the Judy Jacobs in the questions, and but to follow your passion. So mm. First of all, I mean, you have to be, you have to be true to, to, to yourself and to your ethical, you know, principles and, and, and basically do, do things because you think that are, you're going to have a better, I mean, a good influence in, in, the, in, the, in the world, not because you're going to get gratification or an award or um, monetary compensation or, or, and I know that in, in academia, I mean, this is in, in anything, this is very hard, but I get really nervous when, when people ask me, service in particular, right? When people start saying, well, I've been asked to do this and I've been asked to do that and what do you think? And, and, I, and, I, and I say, I don't know, I don't do bean counting. I basically say yes to the things that I think I'm going to enjoy doing and, and I'm going to basically, um, you know, grow, you know, from doing that. And of course, at the same time, I mean, providing the service that I, that I want to provide, but I don't look at, at it from the point of view of a check mark and, mm -hmm. you know, okay, I've done this, I should be getting compensated. I'm going to, so, so to me, that, that would be the best advice is just kind of follow your passion. I mean, I know particularly for people who are in, if, if it's in academia and in tenure track, they have to be able to balance the, the getting the tenure with, you know, I'm not, but yeah. that's a different conversation. I have lots of advice on that. Also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but to me, it, it's going back to the hanging out. I mean, a lot of yeah. the work that I do in the, in the community involves many hours of hanging out that some people would consider wasting time because I'm not being productive in, in a, from their point of view, right? right? I'm hanging out. And I don't really care all that much. So if instead of getting three articles, I get one article at this point, it doesn't matter to me. If the time that I've been spending with these families, I feel like they've enjoyed my company and I've enjoyed their company. And it's, it's, more, of a, it's more of an effective connection. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's, yeah, the, the advice is, the, yeah, that would be it. Follow, follow your, your, be true to yourself, really. Don't try to please, you know, rules or, yeah. Right. Does he have anything to add there? Yes. Um, I want my my children to listen to this conversation <laughs> because I think they, uh, I want them to follow their passion. So I think, I think this is, this is good. This doesn't have to just be the teaching math teaching podcast, Joel. This could be just yeah, a, yeah. Teaching a philosophy life. of life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> podcast. Um, this is, this is very interesting. Um, and I, I no, I don't have a question. I'm just really excited to be a part of this conversation. I guess I and should. Uh, we're both writing a lot. Write Marta. some down. That's yeah, like, we are. Yeah. Many notes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I mean, I'm writing many notes and I'm trying not to back translate what you're saying into Spanish because I'm learning Spanish and have been for the past 
many years. And so I'm trying to think, how would I say that in Spanish? Coser to so. Um, so <laughs> I'm sorry. That's something my brain, that's something I'm passionate about is, is reaching out to other people. And so thinking about the, you know, hanging out, developing relationships with others. And that's, you know, it's not a bean counting uh, issue. It's a, you know, what, what has more weight to it um, in, I'll say the long term, uh, maybe in my, in my belief system, I would say, you know, it, eternally, uh, what, you know, what has more weight to this, you know, developing relationships with people or getting one extra publication out, yeah. you know, and it, in my mind, there's, there, there's no comparison, you know, the, the relationships with people are yeah. very, um, very important. So I'm glad that we have people in the field that feel the same way as me. Um, and I, I also thinking about, okay, if it's a 10 year question, that's a, maybe that's a different question, but maybe it's not. Um, maybe it's just a perspective. And if there's some systems out there that we don't think are just or right or fair, maybe there are some things we can do to, uh, to push back against those, those systems. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was doing this kind of work um, when I went out for tenure. So, you know, and I'm in a mathematics department. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm also, I think I'm fortunate that I happen to be in a place where people let me be what I want to be and, and, and gave me considerable freedom to, to do the work that I do. Um, yeah, that's, that's a valuable thing. I, I think finding that fit where, hey, what I do, what, what I am passionate about is something that is, is valued in this place. And too, that's, yeah. that could be something I, we have, you know, talk with some folks about trying to get to a place where they can do certain things. And it's like, well, will they allow you to do the things that you want to do? Like that, yeah. like you said, follow your passion. And so, and then also too, to recognize like how much work does go into that one article that is about being invested in the community or the work that is, you know, immersed with, uh, you know, just thinking about some of the books we featured on this podcast, like the, reimagining the math classroom that was a lot of hanging out of uh, people in with yeah. teachers in their classrooms and so like there's a lot of value in those uh, hundred some pages you know <laughs> so yeah that's that's the book that gary martin wants me to write right there you go write a book write a book that's right all right we'll put a link to pre-order it now no just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> well um we have some lighter questions for you here, Marta, just to, just to round us off here. So sure. what makes a good day uh, for you in your profession? Can you give a specific example? I could take a guess, maybe. Well, what were your guess? I would guess hanging out, like hanging out and doing you some math with some, yes. in the community. So, yes, a good, day, a good day right now is not happening much, sadly, right. because what I like is to be in the field. What I like is to be with a working with the mothers. We've been keeping in touch with some of the mothers via Zoom and, and it's, it's fascinating. I mean, you know, we set up a meeting. I mean, you set up a Zoom meeting with four, three to five mothers, I think we've had, maybe four, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and they, you think that it's gonna be a one hour meeting, right? We've been three hours in Zoom, <laughs> twice already. I mean, we've had more than that, but I mean, three hours, yeah. you know. Uh -huh. so, so we've been hanging out on Zoom, but of course not the same. Right. Um, so yeah, so what makes a good day for me would be the being in the community. Um, basically, just as you said, doing some math, 
um, listening to their ideas about math and math education in general. And um, yeah, that would be a, what makes a, a good day. Nice. So in, professionally. Mm -hmm. I think, and even too, like even during our current situation, having a Zoom where there's like a non-transactional um, Zoom meeting where it's like, no, we are, hang we are hanging out. Yeah, like we're a, hanging out, yeah. 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 It's not like a, a podcast episode recording, but <laughs> I, think I mean, I cannot wait till we, till one of the, in the last meeting that we had, which was maybe three weeks ago, one of the mothers suggested a park that is, you know, somewhere anyway, that maybe we can go. And so, so we might start exploring that, but we, we haven't done it yet. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what do you do for fun? How do you balance things out? Yeah. Yeah. I don't balance much. <laughs> remember my grandmothers, you know, yeah. lottery than the work. So balance is not a verb that I use a lot, but I'd say that what I do for fun, there are two things that I, that I can think of that are more. One is reading. So I like to read books in different languages to keep my languages. So, so obviously Spanish, Catalan, French, and then English. So I try to alternate. I don't read that much in French. Uh, well, because I haven't been able to get that many books in French lately. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not up to, I'm not updated on what is now a good book to read in, in yeah. French but I do read in French when I can. And um, so I just ordered five books recently from a local library, I mean, local library, local bookstore to keep them, you know, um, to keep their business going. And yeah, yeah. this is a local, we don't have that many local um, bookstores. Yeah, yeah. And I like to read books like paper, like they take the book. Yes, and, you know. yeah, me too. And so three of them are in Spanish and two of them are in English. I couldn't really order a book in Catalan. I have to figure out how to do that. What is Catalan? Cat it's, the language, it's, the language, it's the language that we speak where I grew up. Oh, cool. So uh, I did not speak, I did not grow up, sorry, speaking Catalan. My family is Catalan speaker pretty much as their first language now and Spanish as the second. My, I grew up speaking Spanish as my first language. I don't write Catalan well because I didn't learn it in school. Now, now is the language of instruction. So my kids, my, my I mean, my kids, my my nephew, my niece, my their kids. I mean, they all, um, you know, learning Catalan in the school. Wow. Cool. Um, and so basically, for me, it's a, it's a way to keep up with the language because yeah. though I'm sure that here in, in in Tucson there are some people who maybe speak Catalan. I haven't. You know, I used to know someone. I don't get to practice it that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I read it. So that's one thing that I like to do. And the other one that I like to do, which of course not right now is on hold, is traveling. Mm. Yeah. And um, in particular, when I go to conferences, I mean, yes, I go to conferences for the conference, sort of, but I actually go <laughs> much more now for the connections, mm -hmm. for the contacts to see friends. Yeah. Um, that is something that a professor who hired me here told me my first year says when you go to conferences it's not so much about the talks it's more about the connections well at the time no when i started it was about the talks i would go to all the talks yeah, yeah. i remember going to ara and not eating lunch or eating like <laughs> whatever something and going from one talk to and now i don't do that anymore now it's like yeah i'll go to some talks but let's get together for coffee or for a meal or and that's what i miss so the traveling in general and yeah. the traveling international of course, I mean, national, I mean, domestic too, but international. Well, and I'll, I'll say this to you and um, 
as a young uh, doc student and uh, young professor, like one seeing you at a conference or seeing you at some meetings that we've had together. And like, you've always been someone that has, has time, you know, it's like, you, you could tell like some people are like are not welcoming to talk, but like, you're always welcome to like, and you even like would, would start up conversations. And I, I very much appreciate that. And it's like, that's, that's Marta Seville. She's talked to me. <laughs> That's great. I actually, I actually do have a, a, a problem that I've shared with people, which is a very bad problem to have in this in any field. I don't have facial recognition. So I, I forget faces. Mm. And so when I go to a conference, I might run into you. And if you don't have your name tag, I'm like, I, you know, however, <laughs> as soon as I know who you are, I mean, as you, I know everything about I me. Mean, if, if you've told me things, I remember everything. So, so it's not that I don't pay attention, but people might be taking me as being aloof. It's just, I don't remember faces. There you go. So where, where your name tags? It's really, (laughs) really, really a a huge issue for me at conferences. Yeah. Do you, um, and it's a question we asked, do you have anything to promote? No, I don't really have anything to promote. Maybe besides the future book that Gary Martin is is waiting for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That Gary is going to help me write, I believe. Yeah. That's right. Uh, let's, let's make sure that this podcast gets to him, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing else that part, you just send put his email in the show notes. It'll be great. Oh yeah. Um, no, I'm not, first of all, I'm not very good at promote, at promoting myself. So, you know, um, but also, no, I, I cannot think of anything right now. No. Well, I think, I mean, in, you know, all kidding aside, I think, uh, you know, I think a book would be would be nice uh, to have, and then we could uh, talk about it on this podcast. But uh, maybe it uh, could be a short book, and maybe you could say the same thing four times: once in Spanish, once in Catalan, once in French, <laughs> once in go. English. That's it. it. Oh, you have no idea. Well, you probably do. How hard it is to write in Spanish. Let's take mm. Spanish right now. I mean, I'm not even talking about Catalan or French. Those yeah. are much rusty in my professionally. We just wrote my grad student Fanny and myself our first article directly in Spanish. Like I've written in Spanish, but I've had help and we struggle. And she's uh-huh. from Mexico and I'm from, you know, from Spain because professionally the language I've learned it in English. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever I have to translate something into Spanish, oh, it's so hard. Uh-huh. I have so much respect for translators. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Marta, for uh, spending time with us today uh, on the oh, podcast. You're very welcome. It was fun. Yeah. And thanks to all you out there for listening to the teaching math teaching podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We hope that you are able to implement something that you just heard and take an opportunity to interact with other math teacher educators or hang out. Speaking (laughs) of interacting, what do you want to hear about in upcoming podcasts? Who do you want to hear from? Let us know through the virtual suggestion box. Find it at the contact us page at teachingmathteachingpodcast.com or in the show notes for this episode.